Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We ask that you'd speak to us today. May we hear your word and may we respond. May we be challenged. May we be convicted. And may we grow. We ask this in your son's name, Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. Last week was Christmas, and when Christmas is on Sunday, it creates this interesting situation where we have to decide where and when we're going to um, have the next important day in the story of Jesus' life. And that important day is the Epiphany. Now, the Epiphany is traditionally on the 13th day after Christmas. So if you know the song, the 12 days, after Christ, the 12 days of Christmas, that those 12 days start on December 25th. So Christmas Day is the first day. Then there's usually 12 days. The 13th day is Epiphany. But what that means is that often Epiphany is in the middle of the week. So this week, it would be on Friday. I don't think any of you are going to want to come on Friday. I would be the only one here if we had a special Epiphany service. Maybe some of you would come, but we recognize that, that that's asking a lot. So it makes more sense to turn Epiphany to a day on a Sunday. And so that says we have to choose either this Sunday or next Sunday. Now next Sunday is an important day also because it's the day when Jesus' baptism is in the lectionary. And so to get that day and this day, we have to do it in the middle of Christmas. So there's technically still seven days of Christmas left, but because of how things are falling, today's epiphany for our Sunday schedule, which I know is a little bit confusing, but epiphany is important, and that's why we're going to do it this way. Now you might be wondering, well, why is epiphany a matter? Why are we talking about it? Remember that epiphany is just part of the calendar, and the calendar tells a story. So every day in the calendar has been intentionally chosen. So Christmas has 12 days. It is the second longest season or feast period only to Easter. Now Easter has seven weeks usually. So if you look at the calendar, you can see well, what is the church fathers or the people who have developed the calendar, what do they think is the most important day or the most important season? It is Easter season. But the second is Christmas. So the 12 days of Christmas and then Epiphany comes right after that. Now, for a lot of Christians, they don't even know what Epiphany is. They don't know the word. They might have heard it somewhere. Oh, they had an Epiphany. They know that, that phrase that we use. But they don't know anything about what it means to say Epiphany is on a church day. But for us, Epiphany comes. And the difference for some Christians also is they do have Epiphany, but they just all put it together and they have the wise men that are right there on Christmas morning. But Epiphany is really supposed to be the day when you acknowledge the wise men are coming. Because in the story of Jesus, if you happen to be a Bible nerd enough to know this, the um, wise men actually don't come until Jesus is around two. Or I mean, if, when you read the story, it says there was babies two and under that they were looking for. 
whenever they were looking for Jesus. So Jesus wasn't visited that night he was born by the wise men, but sometime later. And so the church calendar is, recognizes that by saying Epiphany is at the end of the season of Christmas. It sort of is the cap. It's the last part of Jesus' birth story, and it ends the season. And it's the day when the Magi come. So here we do have Epiphany, and we talk about the Magi coming on Epiphany, which is why we sang We Three Kings. But this still has the question that we need to ask. Well, why does it matter that the wise men come? Is it important to the story? Is it just one of those interesting parts that we like to, to celebrate and have the kids dressed up as kings and sing the song? Or is there something about that that matters to what we believe? So this is what we have to ask today. So we're going to look at the story of Epiphany and the story that Epiphany invites us into to answer that question. So if you want to take out your Bible and turn to Matthew 2, this is where Epiphany, or the story of the wise men's at. And it's the only gospel that has the story of the wise men is in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. This is where we'll be here in a couple minutes. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. So in the Pew Bible, if you want to follow along, 1374. It will be on the screen. 1374. But let's take a look at Matthew and see what we can say about the story that Epiphany invites us into. So when you're turning to Matthew, we have to ground the story of Epiphany in the bigger story of Jesus. Remember, the church calendar tells a story. And it starts with Advent. So if you're here for Advent, we heard a lot about how Advent is about waiting. And Advent is specifically about the Jewish people waiting for their Messiah. And then we say as Christians, Advent is about waiting to celebrate Jesus' first coming, his birth. But also, we have this element where we're waiting for his return. So we have that sort of included in Advent. But Advent is really waiting for the birth of the Messiah, which we get to celebrate on Christmas. So we did that last week. But we need to understand that the birth of the Messiah is actually for the Jewish people. Now the Jewish people in their scriptures, they were waiting for the Messiah because they thought, they, and they knew they needed to be saved. So they're waiting and waiting for the Messiah. But what we miss in that story is that there actually isn't about the nations or the Gentiles or the non-Jews in that story. So we look around and for those of us who are not Jews, which I don't know for sure, but I think that's all of us in the room here, we say, well, how, why are we here? Why are we a part of this story if this is a Jewish story? And that's the question we have to ask. And that's what the story of Epiphany invites us into. It invites us into say, okay, well, why is it that it's not just the Jewish people? Why does the whole world care about this story? And that's when the Epiphany comes to help us understand. And the first place we look to start to grasp this is actually this passage from Isaiah. So we're going to look at a couple of these verses. Isaiah 1 and 2, this is what it says. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. So this is a prophecy acknowledging that the Jewish people need to be saved. But notice what else. It acknowledges that it's not just the Jewish people, but darkness covers the earth, and the thickness covers the peoples. It's not just the Jewish people who need to be saved. It's all of the earth. And so this prophecy acknowledges that when God comes to shine his light on the world, 
That's what they're waiting for, the Messiah, who is going to be God returning to Israel in this appointed person, who the church later says this was Jesus, and it's actually God himself coming to his people in the flesh to shine his light on the world. But they're waiting, and it realize, realize, even in the Old Testament, that it's not just the Jewish people who need to be delivered from darkness. It's actually all of the world. The entire world is in this state of darkness. Which, what is the darkness? Well, it's the power of evil, the rule of Satan, the deception of the world, the poison of sin and death that we all experience every day. That's what we need to be saved from. And so there's this hope that the glory of God will shine on the nations. And when the the glory of God shines on the nations and the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears in you, what's going to happen? The nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So not only will God's glory shine on all of the nations, but they will recognize his glory and the rulers of the earth will acknowledge that God is the true king of the cosmos, of all of the universe. And because of this, God is going to come and the kings of the world need to bow to him. So the Jewish people are waiting for their Messiah and their prophets have this idea that the Messiah is going to come not just for them, but for all of the world. So this is what we have to have in the back of our mind. The Messiah coming isn't just something that the Jewish people needed. We all need it because we all live in a world of sin and darkness and death. Now I could tack any number of nouns and adjectives on to our experience on earth that is not pleasant. And we could all say yes. And in our congregation today, we experienced this week two realities of death. So we all know exactly what goes on in life around us. And what Epiphany says is, what is the answer to that death? Well, we're going to tell you is what Epiphany invites us into. And so with this in mind, now we get a look at the story of the Magi. It's not just that the Jewish people need a Messiah, but all the nations need a Messiah. And when is this moment going to come when they recognize him? So the Magi now come. So this is Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when, he ro- when it rose and have come to worship him. So this story, like I said, is only in Matthew. And it's an odd story. It's really bizarre. Whenever you realize what it means for Jesus to be a Jewish boy born in the small town of Bethlehem to poor, fam- poor parents, and then for Magi to come, Magi from the east were told. Now, Magi were basically astrologers. So they looked at the stars and they tried to interpret signs. We think about horoscopes and people who look at the stars and the celestial bodies and try to predict what's going to happen. That's what Magi did. And they usually worked for kings because kings were interested in wanting to know, does the sky, because they believe that somehow the sky influenced life and the stars and everything moving in the sky. So they said, they wanted to know, is there a reason for us to be concerned about this or that? They wanted to know. So Magi usually worked for kings and they advised them. So we don't know exactly why these Magi come, but they see something in the sky that tells them there's a new king that's been born in Jerusalem. And p- potentially what happens is the king they work for is like, okay, will you go welcome that king? It'll be a good uh, diplomatic way for us to have good relationships with King Herod. 
We want to have that relationship. So they go and they look for the baby in Jerusalem because that's where the king would be. That's where the capital city is in Jerusalem. So when you look for a baby of a king, a new prince, you look in Jerusalem. So they go and this is what happens. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Well, why? Because Herod didn't have a son recently. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find it, report, it him to, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. So this is what, King, what Herod does. He says, okay, well I haven't had a baby, but maybe we can find out where this baby might be born. And he gets the lead and he calls the Magi together and he says, you know, maybe the baby's not here, but if you go to this town just down the road, six or seven miles, you might find him. So why don't you go check it out and let me know because I'd love to come and join you in welcoming him. And we know that's not Herod's real motive, but that's not, the motive of Herod isn't really the centerpiece of the story. It's the Magi because they are looking for the king. And so now they have a reason, a place to look. So verse 9, after they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So that's the story of the Magi. When they find Jesus, they offer him gifts and were told they worship him. Now the word, the Greek word that's translated worship here is broader in meaning than just offering praise and adoration to a deity. So when we think of worship, that's the main context. For us, we're worshiping God. We know that other religions worship other deities. Now we might use that word to say that people worship another person, but we mean that in a negative way. In this sense, it's not negative. Kings also would receive something like homage, People would acknowledge that their unique position in society and they would give them honor. And that's what this means. It's not that they're worshiping him as God. They're acknowledging that he is a king. So they basically are throwing Jesus a royal baby shower. They bring him some royal gifts and they say, you're a little baby king. We're going to treat you like a king. And they welcome him and they give him the royal treatment. So we need to ask ourselves, well, what does this mean? It's a bizarre story. Nothing else in the history of antiquity that we have in writings has stories like this attributed to a person like Jesus in this sort of situation. It's very bizarre. Now think about it. Christmas is about the good news coming, or the, Christmas is about the good news that the Messiah has come. But why then do we get to celebrate 
we're not Jews. What we need to realize is that when Jesus is born, his birth triggers a sign to these magi and they come to find him. So not only was Jesus' birth proclaimed to the Jewish people on the day when he was born, but his birth was proclaimed to these pagan astrologers hundreds of miles away who were just looking in the sky, doing their job. Now we all know that signs in the sky are complete coincidences or complete quackery. But maybe we know that. Maybe we, th we think there could be something to it. But scripture is very clear to Jewish people that you should not listen to astrologers because the signs in the sky have no bearing on reality. But in this case, God uses the, this situation to tell these magi that his son has been born. Because the son is born not just for the Jewish people, but for the nations. This is the moment when the glory of God is revealed to the nations. And what this means is that God's story that was with the Jewish people all of a sudden becomes for the whole world. Or we can think about it this way. Jesus' birth marks the moment when God's plan goes global. Jesus' birth is the moment when God's plan goes global. Before, it was a plan that was local. It was with Israel. But always in the background was this hope to get back to the global plan of bringing the world back to God. And this is what Epiphany recognizes. The moment when Jesus' birth is proclaimed to all of the nations. And this is when we can say that Jesus' birth marks the moment when God's plan goes global. So what does this mean? It's significant to the story. Well, this is how Paul frames it. And we're only going to look at one verse from that, that long passage from Ephesians. And I know Lynn's right, it's long and wordy and hard to read. This passage right here, this verse tells it all though. So Paul's talking about this mystery that he's come to proclaim to the world. And specifically to the Gentiles. And this is the mystery. This mystery is that through the gospel which is the good news that Jesus has come as a Jewish Messiah. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's why epiphany matters. Because all of us are a part of the story. We get to be a part of the story and a part of God's people because on that day, the Magi recognized it recognized the glory of Jesus and they came and they recognized him as king which foreshadowed the moment when someday all the nations of the world will recognize Jesus as king. Jesus' birth marks the moment when God's plan goes global. And that's good news for all of us because we're all a part of that story. He's come to save and deliver all of us from this broken, tattered world full of death and sin and despair. God didn't abandon us. He had a plan to bring all the nations back, all of his created people who he loves. And the, G the birth of Jesus marks the moment when God's plan goes global. Epiphany tells the story 
when we realize that we're all part of God's plan, that we're all part of God's people. So this Epiphany Sunday, what we realize is that God wanted to bring all people under his son. All people were going to be his people, and he was going to be their king. And this is made known by the birth of Jesus that is revealed to the Magi who come to visit from the nations. And what they show is that Jesus' birth marks the moment when God's plan goes global. And that's when we become part of the story. And that's when Epiphany becomes an important part of how we understand the story of Jesus and the story that we're all a part of. And the next week, we have one more important thing about Jesus that is told to us at his baptism. As we continue to learn and as he continues to be shown to us or revealed. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as your people. We think about this story that we've all been invited to be a part of. We thank you that your son has been shown to us. That he was revealed to the Magi on that night when they were in the, looking in the sky. When they noticed something different and they chose to investigate. And it led them to the little baby living in the small town of Bethlehem. And somehow they had the ability or the foreshadowing the trust to know that this baby was going to be someone important. And now, Lord, we look at their response and we're invited to respond. To say, yes, Jesus is king, not just of the Jewish people, but all of the world. And he has come to save all of the nations and bring them back to God. And then we get to be a part of that plan. And that means that our life is transformed and that the world can be transformed through our work as we work with him to bring his goodness and love to the world. And Lord, that, may that be what we strive to do in this new year. May that be what we strive to do as your people as we continue to seek you and to grow together on the way of Jesus. We ask this, Lord, in your son's name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.